Thank you, Great. Maggie. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me here. Um, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Imagine you're a grandma and the only breadwinner in your family, your daughter, is now going to jail for drugs. You have no house. You have nothing to feed your grandchildren and they can't go to school and there's no social services. You feel lost without hope. You have no education. You have no chance of getting a job and no way of getting food. But then you meet Jesus, and God leads you to a place called Hand to Hand, where your children can go to school, and your grandchildren can eat, and they have toys to play with, and your grandchildren can just be kids and enjoy life away from all the struggles that comes with alcohol and drug addiction. That's our God. So love is working every day to show God's love to the children and families of Padia, Thailand. And I want to share a little bit about my story about how I got to Padia, Thailand. I did not go planning to be a missionary. I'm a primary school teacher by trade, and my dream was to go and see the world. So the plan was to go to a country, teach there for two years, move to another country, and see the world teaching. I'd bought my house in Australia, I was financially stable, and I was off to see the world. I got to Padia, Thailand, which is a prostitution hub of the world, and there I met Jesus. Someone said to me, do you want to come to a Bible study? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> and uh, they said, we have dinner. I said, dinner, dinner's good, I'm in, let's go. So I went for dinner, and I'd always been searching why are we born just to die? There's got to be a reason for the bit in the middle. Whether it's good or bad, there has to be a reason. And when I went to this Bible study, it actually took the guy six weeks to do one week of Bible study because I'm like, I've got a question. I've got a question. And I realized we're born because we're God's children. And our purpose is to glorify him. And one day we'll live with him forever. And that made complete sense to me. So I gave my heart to the Lord in Padia, Thailand. Um, Hillary moved in with me. Um, she was also a missionary living in Thailand. And that poor woman had to answer so many questions. <laughs> but she was a great, she's a great part of my faith story. So I was saved. And, you know, if you are in hospitality, you've been given the gift of hospitality. I may not be standing here today if someone wasn't making that meal that night. And I'm so thankful for that lady who made the meal that night that encouraged me to go to the Bible study. So whatever I do, I do it 1,000% or not at all. So I got saved in a little Baptist church, and they said, can you teach kids ministry? Well, I don't know anything about the Bible, but yeah, sure. <laughs> so they were, we got a curriculum. Okay, so I went in and I started teaching the kids. And the kids are like, I've got a question. I was like, I have no idea. So I tell you what, you go ask your mom and dad, and I'll ask the pastor, and we'll talk about it next week, okay? And the kids are like, yeah. So the kids are going home and asking their parents all these questions about the Bible. 
and they're saying, who's this amazing Sunday school teacher? This amazing Sunday school teacher has no clue what she's talking about. But great 101 in Christianity. And so six weeks old in the Lord, and it was Children's Day. We have Mother's Day, Father's Day, Children's Day. And uh, the police wanted someone to go and do activities at the police station. So the church said, well, you're the craziest person we know. You go. So I dressed up as a clown. I don't do any professional clowning. And after being in the car park for a couple of hours, the policeman said, there's children upstairs in jail. And I said, can I go see them? And he said, yeah. And this is my first little boy that I ever met. And his name was Tang, and he's from Cambodia. And you can see another child and a mother in the background, but that's not his mum. He was all alone in this jail by himself with his three-year-old sister. And when I offered to come back the next day with rice and chicken, he began to cry. And he said, I'm so sorry I cry, Missy, so sorry I cry. No food here, no food in Cambodia, no food anywhere. And I didn't know about hearing God's voice at this point. I'm being saved six weeks. And as I walked out, I knew that I couldn't pretend that I hadn't seen, that I hadn't heard, and I had a passion that I just had to go. So I went to church the next day, and I said, I'm going to the jail. Who wants to come? They're like, what are you going to do? No idea. How are you going to get in? No idea. But I'm going to go. So I went, and in Thailand, you have to have letters for everything, right? I showed up at the prison, and I said, I want to go see the kids. And they said, okay, and they let me in the jail. And that was the birth of prison ministry. God literally opened the prison doors. And so I'm in the jail, and I'm just praying for people. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm six weeks old in the Lord. Uh, yeah, God, um, yeah, he's really sick. And um, like, if you could heal him, that would be really super cool. And um, yep, I think that's it in Jesus' name, amen. And people are getting healed. People are getting saved. And so I was literally launched into ministry. So I joined a church and I did lots and lots of children's ministry. Um, Hillary and I were uh, doing puppets together. We did a lot of children's ministry together. And I just love kids, and I knew this was my passion. So I was on the church board. I was on the orphanage board. This church had an orphanage, and three key events happened. Number one, a little girl dying of leukemia. I said, make a wish. Anything you want, I'll make it happen. She said, I want my mom and dad. So her mom had just come out of jail. We found her dad who had remarried. And the day she died, the only two people in the room were her mom and dad. And I thought, this kid had family. So a little boy came to the orphanage, and he kept running away to his auntie who lived in the slum. I said, can't we help him stay with the auntie? No, we don't have those kind of resources. And that's true, and that's fair, and this is not an anti-orphanage um, sentiment. Then people would come, and they'd bring their children, and they'd leave their children and leave crying. I'd say, why? If you love your child, why are you doing this? And the top three answers were, number one, I can't afford to send my child to school. No education, no future. Number two, I don't have enough food. And number three, I don't have housing. But if I put my child into the orphanage, they get all these things for free. My child is better off without me. And I would say, no, 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 number one, your child needs family. So I began looking for who keeps families together. And I couldn't find anyone. 
And then Matthew 25 began to ring in my heart. If I opened my Bible, it was there. I was hungry and you fed me, naked and you clothed me, in prison and you visited me, thirsty and you gave me water to drink. When, Lord, did we see this? Whenever you did it for the least of these. I went to church, someone's preaching on it. I saw a poster, it was there. I opened the daily bread, it was there. So I really felt like God saying, I want you to resign from the church board and the orphanage board and I want you to leave. And do what? Silence. So I'd been saved for 14 years at this point. And um, so I went to the pastors and I told them what I felt like God was saying. And they said, yes, we release you. And I'm like, no, actually what I want you to say is, no, no, please don't go is what I want to hear from you. Yes, we release you. Okay. Um, So I was praying and I said, okay, God, if you give me a supernatural confirmation, I will lay everything down and step out not having any idea what you really want me to do. So I was on the way home from school and I went to the prison and I gave this lady a sandwich as I had done thousands of times before. And she said, I want to be a Christian. I said, really? Why? She said, because I sat here every day and Jesus gave me food, but Buddha never came. Jesus gave me water, but Buddha never came. Jesus gave me clothes, but Buddha never came. Jesus came to visit me, but Buddha never came. She's never read the Bible. (laughs) And she just quoted to me what God had been talking to me about. So in 2009, I I belonged to two churches, so I still had a a home church. I laid everything down, and it was a a huge grief because I loved what I did. And I opened up hand-to-hand. And we called it hand-to-hand. It was our hand extended to the poor and God's hand on top of ours like this. So I was making sandwiches at night time. I rented a, a shed so I could store the clothes and the water and I'd make sandwiches, go to school on the way home from school, go back to the jail, make more sandwiches. These kids started showing up. You hungry? Yeah. Want a sandwich? Yeah. Uh, you, you want to play a game? Yeah. Do you want clothes? Yeah. I said, okay, God, you never send anyone out one by one. Where's my two by two? He brought me an ex-drug addict, an ex-prostitute, an ex-alcoholic, and me. None of us had any idea what we were doing, and we started hand-to-hand. And that was nine years ago, and ten years ago we actually became a foundation. And that was another huge miracle. In order to quit my job, we had to become a foundation so I could get a work permit. So uh, to become a foundation, you need a lawyer, and you need half a million baht in the bank, which is about $30,000. So we didn't have either. So we went to the government and we said, can we have the application form? Do you have a, do you have a lawyer? No. Okay. So we filled out the questions we knew. The ones that we didn't know, we skipped those. Went back and said, can you help us? What are you asking for here? And we filled in our papers. Now I needed half a million baht. This one guy comes up and he says, what do you need? I said, I need half a million baht. He says, there you go, open your foundation. So two to five years it takes to become a foundation, two months God gave us our foundation. So I quit my job and the hand-to-hand foundation was born. So love is providing a safe place to call home and community. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. 
So this is our new housing development. So three years ago, I got an email from someone in Galveston, Texas, never been to Galveston, Texas, don't know anybody there. And the email said, what would you do if we gave you a quarter of a million US dollars? And I said, spam. <laughs> so uh, they messaged me again and they said, no, we're serious. What would you do with a quarter of a million dollars? I don't know. I don't normally sit around thinking about those kind of things. Um, I, I would buy land and build houses because that's one of the reasons people are abandoning their children. And they said, we love your idea. Here's, um, please apply for this grant. So I applied for the grant, and they said, here's the deal. We're going to give you $100,000 if you can raise another 150,000 US dollars in three months. I laughed. I set up a GoFundMe page, $70. <laughs> so I'm like, God, if this is you, then you need to bring the finances. We woke up one morning, anonymous donation, $50,000. $25,000 from a guy in Hong Kong that I've never met, still never met. People canceling missions trips and saying, we're going to send you the money for the missions trips that we were going to go on so that you can build your houses. And we were down to the final wire. We needed another $15,000. And this church so generously gave. So thank you so much. We have this because of you guys. So thank you. So we, we got the, the money, and uh, we had 6.5 million baht. And we found this land. God said the land is 4 million baht. So we found this beautiful piece of land, 1,600 square meters, perfect. Six million baht. Oh. The lady says, I'll tell you what, I'll give it to you for five million. But God said four million. You can't say, hey, by the way, you can have another million baht discount off your land. So um, we prayed, and then we get a phone call from the lady who owned the land. She said, I'm in hospital this morning. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I couldn't sit up. I was all alone by myself. And I remembered, last time I met you, you prayed for me. So all I did is I called out to the God of hand to hand, I don't know your name, but if you're real, heal me. She said, I'm sitting up in bed, I'm eating and drinking, and I want to give you my land for four million baht. So we got the land for four million baht, and then we built eight houses. So the plan was to put eight families into each of the rooms, um, but God always has a better plan. So as we're building it, the government is coming to us saying, are you going to save one of the rooms for a trauma counseling center? Wasn't planning on it, but yeah, why not? So now one of the rooms has cameras in it. So if police go and rescue children from a child brothel or child trafficking ring, they can bring all those kids to our housing. They can stay there for a week as they gradually interview all the children, find their story, and work out what they're going to do. You're a, a mother that suffered from domestic abuse. You go to the hospital, you come to us, we'll, your kids have somewhere to play, you have food to eat, you have somewhere to sleep, someone to tell your story to whilst we work out where you're going to go. Um, also, we are starting to foster care children. So Safe was a boy, his mum died of diabetes, he literally nursed his mum until the day she died. 
and he had no family. The orphanage didn't want him, he's already 16. Well, let's just put him in the delinquent boy's home until he turns 18. Well, how about we don't do that? So he had one room where the grandma was living with the son and the grandson. We moved the grandma out to live with another grandma, and they now help a 14-year-old raise their, her baby. And we moved the orphan safe, um, safe into this house with the man and his son. So it's foster care under our guardianship, under our houses, with our food, but he's in family. And that is the heartbeat of everything we do. God wants people in families. So this is our... So this is our land. So we have a lot of land left. Uh, there we go. So we have land left. So you see the, the big tent um, there. Eventually that's going to become a community center with a church on the bottom and job training on the top. And on the far side there will be more houses there. But in the meantime, we have a lot of land, so we grow a lot of food <laughs> so that we can eat it. Uh, this is a little girl that came to us when she was just seven days old. So mummy gave birth. She went to her neighbor and said, can you look after my baby while I go to the market? She went to the market and never came back. So the neighbor goes to the police and says, this is not my baby. I don't want to take care of the baby. But the baby doesn't have a birth certificate. So she can't just go to any normal orphanage. She has to go to a special orphanage in Bangkok where there will probably be very little chance of ever finding family. So we have her, and she's well cared for in our housing development whilst we look for family. So we've begun to make some inroads there, and you can see the other grandma in the background. So this is a, a story of Max, and Max is one of the families that came. So in the far picture, you can see Max is in the yellow shirt, and that's his mom who's a prostitute and addicted to drugs. Max's dream is, I just want to go to school. Very, very, very smart lad. So they now live in our housing development, and um, we'll see more about his story in a minute. So love is providing education and training for a bright future. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So we have a preschool. So our preschool was a bit of a miracle as well. So we opened up hand-to-hand, -hand, and eight months later, two ladies came along. One had finished grade nine, one had finished grade four, and they said, our dream is to teach the poor children. And I said, well, that's why people are putting their children into orphanages. So we opened up a preschool with no tables, no chairs, no books, no teachers, because I'm still teaching at the international school, and 17 children from the slum. And we just began to teach them with whatever we had. We had this magic pot of fried rice. No matter how many kids I had, this lady made me a pot of fried rice for about $10. And uh, we just began to teach the children. Several years went by, and we ran out of space. And God said, Margie, how much do you trust me? I said, 1,000%. He said, sell your house. Sell your car, sell everything you own, and give it to me. 
So my father was furious that my daughter's gone to Thailand, she's joined a cult, she's gone nuts, right? She's giving up everything, all of her security. But God promised me, I'll never leave you homeless. I'll never leave you hungry. I'll never leave you naked. I'll never leave you alone. So with faith, I sold everything I owned and we raised the money to build this preschool. So we now own this building. So these are two boys from Pakistan. They are legal refugees and they will be emigrating to Canada. So they are on a special homeschooling program that is aligned with the Canadian education program. We're teaching them all about Canadian animals, the flag. So they are on a Canadian education. So the children learn English and Thai and we also learn Chinese. So we also study the Bible. So here we're learning about the breastplate of righteousness. And the biggest kid in the center has to play too. Um, And they have to get ready to go to Thai school, which is a rote learning system. So the year before they go to grade one, um, we have a lot of sit down at your desk kind of learning rather than exploratory learning. Once they go to grade one, they go on to our scholarship list. So here we are having story time. We rely very heavily on volunteers. All of this work that you'll see in this PowerPoint today is done on six staff members. So even though I'm the founder, I have to raise my own support. I can't be um, supported by the foundation as well. So some volunteers are full-time and some are short-term, like Manu. And we have a library. All these books are donated. We've never bought a reading book. For a lot of these kids, this is the first piece of reading material in their house because their mom and dad don't read and write. There's no magazines, there's no newspapers, there's no books. So here's some example of some of the work that they do. We learn through fun games, exploratory learning. We have aprons, which cost about $2 um, because all of our clothes we get secondhand from the international school. So we've got name brand clothes. (laughs) We play, we have fun. We have to teach them how to wash their hands because if you don't have running water at your house, you don't know about hygiene. So we feed them food. And we have music teachers. So we teach the children how to sing. We also teach them basic instruments. And, of course, the dreaded recorder. (laughs) So these music teachers, then we wanted to teach the children in the slum how to play music. But getting the kids to our center was a little bit difficult, except for on a Saturday. So they need more than one lesson a month, a week. So what we do now is we take our music lessons into the slum. And so... Later on, you'll see we have cell groups in the slum. These children are now leading the worship in the slums because they can play the music. Now, we're not talking hill songs, but we have the joy of the Lord. And then on Saturday, the kids that come on Saturday, they also have music lessons. These children would never, ever have access to anything like this. So on Saturdays, we also have a kids' club, so we can have anywhere from 40 to 70 children show up. So here I am teaching the Bible, and that lady beside me is not pulling faces. Uh, She's actually teaching Pan, who's our deaf girl, sign language. So she lived in the slum. 
She has no access to any services. Pan is five years old and has zero vocabulary. No one can sign. Mum doesn't have a smartphone where she can Google sign language. So we brought her in. Um, Jules's parents are both deaf, so that's her first um, language. She's teaching Pan sign language. Now she is in a deaf school, so she's able to get education. So this is us on a Saturday. We have a lot of fun. We love God. We sing. We pray. And it's a safe place where they can come and just hang out and help each other. We make sure that we have a good meal every week. And we have a football club. So two years ago, I was sent an email. Would you like to come to a fun day at this international school? We're going to have rides, food, and football. I thought it was going to be like a fun fair with a game of soccer in the middle if you want to play. So I showed up with 31 kids in flip-flops, tracksuit pants, never played a game of soccer in their life, to an international school soccer tournament. I don't play soccer. I had no idea. So um, we got our kids into teams, and of course, we lost every game, like 15-0. But by the end of the day, people are like, who are these kids that are losing every game but having the best time? I said, we're hand-to-hand. So by the end of the day, we had one of the international school coaches that said, I'll come and coach you. So not far from our center, we had this soccer field. So there's our first soccer um, training session. No shoes, on concrete, we got a coach. Then uh, six months later, we got a sponsor. We went back to the same tournament one year later and picked up two bronze medals. So here I am, I'm 50, and my new skill is I'm learning to play soccer with the kids. So I get to just be Margie, not Margie the teacher, not Margie the leader, just Margie. So I really look forward to Saturday soccer. And there's our older kids. And we went back to the same tournament this year and picked up the championship trophy for the under 15 boys. So if you don't show up to training because you didn't do your homework or you've got detention at school or you failed your math and you're now doing Saturday classes, then you don't play even if you're the best player. So we've seen school attendance go up. We've seen attitudes improve. And whilst I've been in Canada, there's a a world soccer tournament going on in Pattaya right now. So there's Russia, Ireland, Thailand, all these different countries, and the Irish team is uh, missing some of its players. And someone said, I know where you can get some players from. Hand to Hand's got a good football team. So some of my older boys are now playing an international football, and they just beat Russia (laughs) 20-0. So we have a cooking school. So this is for people who have no education, no training, Self-esteem, you can learn something, and what you learn can produce income. So here's the lady. So that lady that's smiling and the the biggest person, she's a recovered alcoholic. The next lady down with the green on her shoulder, that's Max's mom. What a difference, hey? 
And then the other one is an old grandma. So we're teaching them how to cook. You can go to the market. You can sell your wares. What they're practicing on feeds the community that night. So um, teams that come can learn how to cook too. And then someone said, would you like 150 wooden pallets? I said, yeah, sure. I've no idea what I'm going to do with them, but yeah, sure, it'd be great. So I took them and I started pulling, we started pulling them apart and good old YouTube, this is how you make a stool. So I've got hand saws and hammers. And Bosch said, I think you could do with some power tools. We're talking Bosch, the, the German power tool company sent us 10,000 euros worth of power tools, two engineers for a week to teach us how to use them, and now we make furniture. And that's what Max has made. So, um, you know, good use of his time. And so now we're selling the furniture, and, and someone called me and said, would you like 500 sheets of marine plywood? Well, that, yes, please, that'd be good. Um, I can come down in my truck and pick them up. And he's like, lady, do, do, do you know what marine plywood is? No. So the marine plywood was delivered on a semi-trailer with a crane. So <laughs> we don't always know what we're doing. Um, and so we've got lots of land. So we're growing flowers and we're growing food. So right now we're growing over a thousand flowers. I've got an international school of 96, 10, 11 and 12 year olds coming down from Bangkok at the end of the month. They're going to buy each one of these flowers for 30 baht. And then they're going to go into all the government places and plant these flowers. It's the king's flower. So it's very important. So the school's like, yeah, we've got something environmental, something cultural. Our grandmas are raising all the flowers. And the money that we raise goes back to them. So this is Max's mom now taking care of the flowers. I've got a hope for the future. And now we teach our children, and then our teach children teach our volunteers. So this is Pan, our deaf girl, and she's teaching one of the volunteers how to put um, cuttings inside a, a coconut thing that will hang into a tree so it becomes a, a hanging pot plant. Love is providing support and care for the weak. I was sick, and you took care of me. So you live in the slum. You don't need pampers for your baby, but you go to hospital and you do. In Thailand, the government doesn't provide those things. So we go in and we provide clothes, we provide pampers, we provide food and medicine. So this is a baby, this baby's been abandoned by mommy. So the baby's gotta eat. So the hospital doesn't have anything like that. So we provide all the formula, the clothes, everything for the child. So here's a mom who's got a problem at home. So before you leave, let's connect with you. What do we need to do to make your home a safe place? So I went to a government school and I introduced the dream box and I said to the kids, make a wish, what's your dream? Write it on a piece of paper and give it to me. The first school, I got almost a thousand replies. I got over 700 replies for, I dream of having a uniform. I dream of having cleaning materials to clean my house. I dream of having milk, I dream of having rice. And one boy said, I dream of having gl um, glasses because I can't see, I can't read the board, so my friend reads to me what's on the board. 
and the teacher hits us for talking in class. So I, my friend stops telling me what's on the board and I go home and I can't do the homework. And I come back to school the next day and the teacher hits me for not doing my homework. And then the teacher tells my grandma that I didn't do my homework and my grandma hits me again. I dream of having glasses. So I did what I did do the best. I went and started talking to people. <laughs> and I found an optometrist who's giving us glasses for 700 baht a pair instead of the 4,000 that they're worth. Um, and we've given out over 300 pairs of glasses. So we do a preliminary test. Um, then we send the list to the optometrist. The child goes for proper testing. Um, and then they get their glasses. So love is caring for the poor. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. So this is where our kids come from. This is their reality. Um, this is a typical slum right there in Pattaya. Um, people say, why don't they pick up the garbage? Number one, there's no garbage cans. Number two, there's no garbage service. And number three, it provides landfill so that when it rains, it doesn't flood. So we take care packages to 77 families every week. So our preschool children help. It's a great measuring activity. They can be involved in social service as well. So um, that one, the boy with the nasal gastric tube, that's Tanawat. And um, we provide medicine for him and also milk. And there's another lady with a paper. And you can see how poor they are. So there's one of our packages that we're giving to an old lady. And just the joy of receiving two kilos of rice, some mama noodles, fish, and fish sauce. So that guy there is pretty proud of his brand new shirt. And we get loads and loads of secondhand donated clothes, which we give out. So this old lady, she was dying. But in her final days, we could make her comfortable. Just visiting the elderly. Somebody cares. God loves you. This old lady was just lying literally in the dirt several years ago. So we built that house with our own hands. <laughs> Not that we know how to build houses, but <laughs> we'll work it out. And we started delivering um, dishwashing detergent to the slums. And so I've, my absentee rate at hand-to-hand -hand has gone down just by simply giving them dishwashing detergent. Love is caring for those in prison and whom some society deems unlovable. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat and water to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. So there we are, there's Miss Hillary, and uh, we're off to the jail. She came to visit us, and we take water, we take sandwiches, clothes, medicines, and nappies. So this is your typical Thai jail. It's not that full all the time, but there's no exercise yard. You stay in there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There may or may not be food, um, and there may or may not be water. So when we go in... We are literally a life ring for these people. So we have many children in there. So why are children in jail? Um, mums and dads come to Thailand. 
they work illegally on construction sites. At the end of the month, the construction company calls the police. We have illegals here. The police arrest them. Construction company doesn't pay. You have no one to leave your children with. So when you come to Thailand to work, you bring your children with you. So um, this baby here, um, brand new baby, grandma was holding her when the police came. And grandma ran, but the police caught her, but they didn't catch mum. So this little baby comes to jail with no food because mum's not there with the milk. So um, that's when the police will call us and, you know, the police call me, Kumagalit, you come now. No, no, Piram, I come tomorrow. No, 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 you come now, you listen. Wah, wah, wah. Okay, come now, come now. <laughs> So, you know, just a sandwich is a life ring. This mom, please, have you got any milk for my baby? So everything we do, everything we do in obedience to him who cares for us with faith, as the lifeless body is dead, so faith without actions is dead. So we have a church. <laughs> We have no pastors. We have no trained worship team. So how did the church start? We were in the, in the slums praying for people, and it was taking us so long to get through every slum family. We said, okay, we're going to deliver you food on Friday anyway, and we're going to pray for you quickly on Friday. But if you want prayer, come on these two nights, and we just put blue chairs underneath the stars. And we just began to sing songs. We have the biggest tambourine worship band in the world because I play tambourine. And that was the only musical instrument we had. And we just began singing and worshiping God. And we just began opening the word and reading it. And then we just prayed for people healed of leukemia, healed of alcoholism, healed of drug addictions instantly. So we started a church. <laughs> uh, so we now have 85 baptized believers, um, and we hold it on a Saturday now at our center. So there's Max again. So now he's part of our worship team, loves God. And so you can see the little girl there. So here's an old grandma that she just got saved. I want to be baptized. So we baptize people in the ocean. And there she is, so thankful, so happy. Prayer is essential in following the will of God. All of this is for his glory. This is not a Margie superstar show. This is not a rah-rah, hand-to-hand show. This is what God is doing. And we're so thankful. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so here is a lady, that's safe. He's the orphan boy. And it was Mother's Day. And he cried and he said, I don't have a mom anymore. And after this prayer, he said, I now know I have many moms. That's us praying in the slum. That's Kun Pai, our staff worship prayer meetings. We pray in the slums. This is one of our slum cell groups. There's Max, Max and his mom again. We pray at kids club. 
These kids have real needs. Some of these kids don't have food. They pray in their food. Our preschool kids pray. We had one time when um, a mum and dad came and said, we're not quite sure what happened, but last night my wife had a migraine. We had no medicine. My three-year-old son laid hands on my wife's head and she was healed. They don't have a theological degree, (laughs) but they have faith. So we pray in the prison. We pray for the police. That, That policeman down there gave his heart to the Lord. He had a really bad eye infection. He had several surgeries. It wasn't going well for him. It was looking like they were going to have to take the eye out. And I said, you've seen God heal people in this prison. Will you let us pray for you? And he said yes, and God healed him, and he became Christian. So thank you, Forest View, for all that you do, for all your love and support. You pray, you give to scholarship students, you give to our yearly donation, you give a yearly donation, and also your Christmas blessing to us was very, very beneficial. So I'm going to show you some of the things that you support. So these are some of our scholarship students, and honestly, without Forest View, you could take away two-thirds of the kids from this picture. And so we are so thankful that you plow into, you give into um, sending these kids to school. Uh, With the Christmas blessing, we bought Pampers because we need them in the slum, we need them in the hospital, we need them in the prison, and they're very, very expensive. So we got enough Pampers to last us for at least four months. So thank you so much for that. And there's some of the people getting the Pampers. You bought milk. Milk is so important. In the prison, I need that long life milk. For the sick children, I need the milk in the red box. And for my severely disabled children, I need the milk in the purple box. So this is Tanawat, and you bought him a suction machine, which is a lifeline for him because he has no eula, he gets a lot of congestion. So now his mum has been trained and she can suction him out. So he's in hospital less for chest infections. And that little baby that I'm holding I'm in, with his shirt up, that is Tongkla. And Tongkla and Tanawat were the same when we met him, but Tongkla died. And he literally died of starvation in a second world country. Because he's nasal gastric fed, that one of those boxes of purple milk costs about $75. If you live in the slum, you can't afford that. So the mum put down that nasal gastric tube anything that would fit. Sweetened condensed milk, dirty water, and he, in that photo, he's two years old. It was surreal. He would open his mouth and he had teeth but he looked like a newborn. And so you've literally saved Tongkla's life. So thank you. So we give out the milk in the prisons and the slums. You bought us food so that we can feed our families in the slum. And you helped Bai Tong. Bai Tong um, had meningitis, no arms, no legs. 
Um, and so mummy went to put her into the orphanage and they begged her, please will you go talk to hand to hand first. So she came and we don't really know what we're going to do. She's got uh, mental disabilities as well because of the meningitis. Um, so she's non-verbal, um, but she can hear. So we're teaching her sign language, which comes with its own complications if you don't have fingers. <laughs> so we're making up our own language. This is yes, this is no, this is eat, this is up, and this is down. <laughs> so we're making it up as we go. And there's another one of our little boys, and that's him living there. Bibi, all these kids that you see in this photo, they live in foster care in rural Thailand. And the goal is once their parent, their mum is out of jail or is not drinking or taking drugs anymore, these kids will go back to be with their families. And so I want to introduce you to Guitar. Guitar is one of my special little girls. And she's one of the scholarship students that's been with us for a long time. So I want you to hear from her yourself. So Guitar, can you tell us how long have you been a scholarship student with Hand to Hand? Uh, I'm in the scholarship program for four years. And I'm studying communication and I will graduate on March. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my dreams is to open up the foundation to help the poor children to go to school, like have the opportunity like me or being here like me. Yeah, and but first, uh, I want to find a job like a secretary to earn the income to take care of my family because I live with mom, grandma, and I can. Uh, let my younger sister to continue study too. And I used to have a gateway center. It's a children's center. Uh, it is in my house. The children will come every Saturday and learn English, learn Bible, play game. We give them food, snack. Yeah, we spend time together. But now we close because we didn't have enough money to continue that. But I think if I work and I have the finance, Gateway can open up again. Yeah. So you had a Christmas party. Can you tell us about your Christmas party? Yeah. Uh, every year we have a Christmas party, like some shirt. We give like, money or present to the kids. But after Gateway closed, we don't have like sponsor for the Christmas party. And the last, last year that children ask that uh, this year I have Christmas party, right? I want to join. But we don't have money. But my mom just, oh yeah, sure, you can come. Yeah. But so my mom killed the chicken that we have and cut the vegetable that we grow for make a food for, for the children. And we used uh, our saving money to buy the present for the kids. And there was, there were like 30 kids come to Christmas party, and they still ask that when get where we will open again. I want to come and want to join. Yeah, because you're the only Christian family in your village, aren't you? Yes, because we're different, so the children love us so much. Love to spend time. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for Thank your you. blessings, your prayer, and your support.